Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest line, or on my Facebook, Pre-Arb Excellence Group. I love questions. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, previewing the September 2020 series in Pittsburgh, and ask me questions if I was confusing. Haven't done this before. I haven't had a preview series, preview podcast for a series. I was, I was paying a bit of attention to the Pirates series against Milwaukee. There are a couple of things that struck me. I figured, you know what? Let's do a preview podcast of the Pirates series, and I'll toss in a little bit of baselining. What's baselining? Baselining is when I put a hope, a wish, on how far the pitchers, the starting pitchers go. Um, obviously, you'd oh, I want a complete game. Well, yeah, we, that, that would be, it would be wonderful to have a p- complete game where the Starting pitcher goes 74 pitches and one hits the opposition and it's 17 to 1. Or 17, you know. Realistically, my baseline for the pitchers is something I'll toss in there as well. Okay, now in the opener, Chad Cool is going to start for Pittsburgh. One of the reasons I decided I wanted to do a preview on this series is because Pittsburgh on Sunday and Monday used Stephen Brault and Trevor Williams, two guys who seem to generally do pretty well against the Cubs. So I figured since two of their best pitchers aren't going to be pitching in the series, that would be a nice starting point for a preview for the series. If the Cubs can win two, that is absolutely wonderful. Some people are going to say, oh, the Cubs need to sweep. No, 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 they don't. They can win two. That's absolutely beautiful. It trims down the Pirates elimination number and gets the club Cubs closer to where they want to be. Two of three is absolutely fine. Though, if they win the first two, I want the third. I'll get to that in a minute. John Lester starts in the opener. I want six out of Lester. If he can give me six, I'm fine. Bullpen should be rested, seeing as they had nothing to do yesterday. Um, if the Cubs are in front at some point, in one of the games, and it's relatively close, bring in Jeremy Jeffress. He seems to be the best option for getting a quality inning and deal with it from there. Chad Cool has probably had a better year than either Trevor Williams or Stephen Brault. I was checking his pitch counts because, as you well know, the Cubs like to run up pitch counts for pitchers. And... I was jotting down that Cool pitched once against the Cubs this year in relief. He pitched over two innings, 28 pitches. His other five outings have been starts, 55 pitches, 58, 78, 84, 81. So from that, let's go through the starting outings, pitch count numbers again. 55, 58, 78, 84, 81. Knowing that, how many pitches do you think Chad Cool will probably pitch 
for a team that knows they're probably going to be in fifth place or possibly fourth place, regardless of how the rest of the season comes out. 55, 58, 78, 84, 81. I would imagine he'll probably get to 80. And unless there's a really, really, really compelling reason, once he gets to 80, uh, you might want to start looking for the trap door because um, there's no real reason to go from 78, 84, 81 up to 97. That's how you tend to increase likelihoods for injuries. Once he gets to about 80, he'll probably be done. The Cubs have been doing a very good job, whether they've been scoring or not, of pushing up pitch counts. And while some people don't like the strikeouts that come with pushing up the pitch counts, boy, that's harder to... that's harder to say than you might think. Pushing up the pitch counts. The tongue ends up in the wrong spot a couple of times there. So yeah, if Chad Cool is at 74 pitches after five innings, they'll probably let him start the sixth. But if after six, he's at 82, he's probably done. The Pirates would like to win the game, but they're not going to surrender Chad Cool to the surgeon's desk because they wanted to get an extra inning or three out of him in 2020. He'll go about 80 pitches, maybe 82, maybe 85 in a, in a bizarre situation. I don't think he'll go too much more than that. So as you're watching pitch counts, even if the Cubs are striking out early, if you have those situations where Happer works a six pitch at bat, then Rizzo works a, then Bryant works a, and they go, they score absolutely nothing in the first two innings. But you look at the board and Chad Cool's up to 37 pitches. Well, they're getting them kind of close to being out of the game in five or six innings. So hold that thought. John Lester, again, if he gives six innings and keeps the Cubs in the game, that's all you need from him. That's all need. That's all you're asking for from him. If he can go six innings and limit the Pirates to three or four runs, that's fine. It would be better if he does better. If he can go the classic six uh, six innings, three earned runs for the. Uh, Totally by-the-book quality start. That's wonderful. He might not be able to get in quite six. Uh, if he ends up coming up a little bit short, then the bullpen will have to um, toughen up a little bit. But now, as we start to look at the bullpen, I went a little bit over and above. At least, I think I did. Uh, these are the Pirates relief pitchers largely from most used to least used of the players that are currently on the roster, their earned run averages. Now, earned run averages don't tell you everything, but they do tend to tell you a couple of things. And if a pitcher has a high earned run average, he's probably not a leverage guy. If he's a lower ERA guy, then he probably is. If he's up near the top, 
then he's probably going to get used more. If he's down near the bottom, he's probably not going to get used as much. There are a couple of other extenuating circumstances. I'll get into those in a minute, though. Okay, so here is the Pirates bullpen. You already know the Cubs bullpen, at least some of the guys. Some of the guys are just going to meander in off the street because they traded for them, and they're left-handed, so we'll see how good they do. But here's what the, here's what the Pirates have. Rodriguez, ERA, 4.61. Stratton, ERA 4.50. Hartlieb, ERA 2.63. Turley, left-hander, ERA 4.38. Howard, left-hander, ERA 3.27. Now, those are the five main guys. Bottom, you get Neveroskis. 9.00, Nick Tropiano, 0.00, Bachelor, I think it's Tyler Bachelor, 9.64, Brian Waddell, 2.70, Kyle Crick, 0.00. So most of the guys up near the top don't really sound too horribly elite now, do they? One other thing that I noticed, the... Starters for the Pirates didn't particularly go very far in the Milwaukee series. On Sunday, Rodriguez, up at the top with a 4.61 ERA, Rodriguez went an inning, Hartlieb went an inning and a third, Tropiano went two and two-thirds on Sunday, and Crick went one. So Tropiano, I don't know, they probably won't want to use him on Tuesday. They'd probably like to avoid that. They'd probably rather go with other people. We'll just kind of keep that in mind. Tropiano, 0.00 ERA. A bunch of that is because he hasn't been used a whole lot, but it is there. I doubt they'll probably want to use him maybe for a hitter on Monday, but unless it's a point where it really, 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 really swings the how the game's going to go, I think they'd probably rather go without Tropiano. Now, here are the Monday numbers. The Monday numbers are a little bit more important, at least for Tuesday. And nobody was used on Sunday and Monday. Usually, if a pitcher goes Sunday and Monday, they'll get Tuesday off. It's very rare that a pitcher will go three days in a row. So, here is the bullpen usage for Pittsburgh. From Monday. Stratton, 0.0 innings. Turley went 0.2 innings. Howard, hold that thought, was used for two point uh, for two complete innings, and Bachelor was used for one inning. Howard looks to be their best left-handed pitcher. 3.27 ERA with relative usage. Nick Turley is going to be a trick. He's going, to, he's going to be amusing. He has, um, I don't know if they're facial tics or if it's a, um, you, you'll see when you, you'll tell when you see him. He's a bit of a, he's a bit of a left-hander. Um, Howard was used two innings yesterday, so I doubt we will see Howard. On Monday, on Tuesday. I doubt we will see Tropiano on Tuesday. Rodriguez, Hartlieb, 
Navaroskis. If they need a left-hander, probably Waddell, probably Crick. So they have plenty of arms, but they're lefties. Their two top lefties were used yesterday. One of them was used two innings. And I was really kind of hoping that Milwaukee wouldn't score in the eighth inning. So maybe that game would go nine or 10 or 11 innings. And Pittsburgh would have to use a couple more of their relievers. But they didn't. It didn't. Um, regular standard nine inning game. And Pittsburgh ended up losing. Can't appreciate, can't get across accurately enough how much I appreciate you guys listening into the podcast. People are still listening, and I, I seem to be on a run tonight. I, sometimes I keep thinking of things that I really ought to talk about that. I really ought to talk about that. And when I'm already, I'm still up, and I'm not too horribly tired to function, so I just keep running them. And I once I get done, I check Facebook, I check Twitter, and I check back to the uh, podcast site and people are listening. So it, it just keeps encouraging me to do more. Um, when you hear one that works for you, feel free to pass it along to a friend for whatever reason. And Anchor permits sponsorships, which would be wonderful if you would ever consider that. And more importantly, though, I like you guys listening to them. Okay, so now... Tuesday night, we have Lester against Cool. Hendricks gets Derek Holland. Derek Holland has an earned run average over seven. Cubs have had a history this year of not doing especially well against left-handers. Derek Holland has an ERA over seven. Have you ever heard of the concept of the uh, immovable force meets the unquenchable object or whatever? Well, Cubs don't hit lefties, and Derek Holland doesn't get anybody out. So this could be kind of interesting. One good thing about Holland, from Pittsburgh's perspective, he is durable and pitch, makes a lot of pitches. So his starts have been 90, 86, 112, 99, 100. They will ride Derek Holland heavy, and they will leave him out until it's time for him to go. Um... So it won't be so much of a case of we only want to get in 84, 85 pitches out of him. If he ends up, if something ends up happening to him, then, hey, uh, it's a bummer. But they, they, they would like to get a solid 90, 95 pitches out of Derek Holland. Pretty much whatever happens. Um, in game three, the Pirates are sending out right-hander J.T. Brubaker who his last two starts have been against the Brewers, which I had so much immense fun. There ought to be like, there like ought to be a law. This is Brubaker's first year in the league. He's made four starts, a couple of relief appearances. His starts have been for 52, 57, 76, 85. So with those numbers, you might expect them to be in the 82, 85, 88. Maybe they might push them to 90 range. So again, much like with Cool on Tuesday night, if the Cubs can selectively take some pitches and run up some pitch counts and have some 18, 19, 22 pitch innings, that would be really useful in the outings with Cool and Brubaker. Whereas with Holland, 
I hope by then Jose Martinez has figured out the how to hit in Pittsburgh thing again and he just absolutely mutilates him. So that's basically where we are with the preview of the Cubs Pirates series. I didn't go too much into the Pirates hitting angle of things because there's a few new names. Some guys that you're used to aren't there anymore and a bunch of kids and Josh Bell isn't hitting. So I last year Pittsburgh really hit the Cubs quite well and it was like embarrassing. I think there was one game where I, I, I think Pittsburgh just scored two more runs from that game from last year. Uh, did Pittsburgh score 20? It, it, was, it was obscene. But this year, Pittsburgh just hasn't been doing very much offensively. Their pitching is not good. Uh, the best starter they have this year is Cool, who's going on Tuesday night against Leicester. And if the Cubs can do the patience thing and run up his pitch count and accept the fact that, yeah, they're probably going to strike out a few times, but just keep working, keep grinding them, and get to the bullpen, the four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, the ten guys they have out there, none of them look particularly, well, Kyle Crick throws hard. And he has a he nobody scored on him yet, but he hasn't pitched much. But if the if the Cubs can be patient, make them work. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to do too much of the overmanaging thing that teams used to do. You know how you'd uh, Brewers would do it a lot. You, well, this guy's going to go get face three hitters and it well you, you have to face three hitters now anymore but it looks like pittsburgh's pretty much running it this guy gets an inning that guy gets an inning the other guy gets an inning um doesn't look like they're doing a whole lot of specialist kind of stuff and they have three relievers but they used two of them last night so if they use turley on on tuesday they probably won't use them on wednesday don't imagine they'll use Howard on Wednesday. So if they do use a left-hander, it might be Waddell. And yeah, it's just, if the Cubs can get Cool out in five innings, that would give them 12 outs with the bullpen, 12 outs to extend the bullpen and make some of the pitchers in the bullpen less likely to go on Thursday. And Holland against Hendricks, well... Sometimes you get a baseball game to come out just entirely the opposite of how you would expect it to go. And that could be a case on uh, on Wednesday. But if the Cubs take care of their business and avoid swinging at the pitches that they absolutely shouldn't be swinging at, they should be fine. They should be fine. And again, it's not a case of... They absolutely have to win two games or else something horrible is going to happen. It'd be nice if they do. It would be very nice if the Cubs win two. And since, and, and with there not being any absolute pressure on it, and since I'm really not overly sold on the Pirates, winning two is very possible.
And if they win the first two, I remember people used to really like to periodically jump all over Joe Madden. How can you win the first two games of a series and take your foot off the accelerator for game three? Absolutely unacceptable. Well, let's see now. The Cubs do win the first two games of this series. They win with Lester. They win with Hendricks. Who do you want to start on Wednesday? On Thursday? They win with Lester. And they win with Kyle Hendricks. Who do you want them to start on Wednesday? I know my answer. There was the doubleheader and there's game against Pittsburgh coming up. I certainly don't want him to hurry back anybody from over the weekend. Game three against Pittsburgh. If they win the first two, it's really getting to the point where if they can win the first two, and I haven't said they will, I'm not saying they will, but if they do, it's almost getting to the point where all the teams in the division are going to start eliminating themselves. It becomes far less important for the Cubs to sweep a series or even win the series against Pittsburgh. Boy, it'd be nice to. But if they win, if they lose game one, bounce back and win game two, or do it the other way around. Who do you have going in game three? I'd love to see Tyson Miller start game three. I would absolutely love to see Tyson Miller start game three. Make some sort of a roster move somehow, somewhere. Let Tyson Miller start game three. And see what he's got. Is he major league starter potential legitimately? I don't know. If he can beat Pittsburgh, he might be. And the only way you can find out if he can be beat Pittsburgh, <coughs> excuse me, is if you let him try to. I would much rather watch Tyson Miller start against Pittsburgh on Wednesday and then get replaced in the Rotation with Justin Steele or whoever. If it gets to a point where the Cubs can make basically a free roster move on Wednesday, activate someone for a game for the game and for the series finale against Pittsburgh, I would absolutely love to see Tyson Miller get a chance to start a game. How would he do? I have no idea. And that's exactly why I'd like to see it. Because I'd like to have a better idea if Tyson Miller is ready for Major League Pitching in 2020 and you're not going to let him practice 
You're not going to let him get a look in the playoffs. I would much rather see Tyson Miller get a look against Pittsburgh. And then, if he actually does fairly well, then let him pitch another time. I know everybody's doing the push for have veterans. Veterans are reliable. Veterans know what they're doing. Veterans... I want to see how Tyson Miller does. I don't care what anyone says. I want to see Tyson Miller get to start against Pittsburgh. And if the Cubs win one of two in the first couple games of the series, they can do it. If they win both games, I would definitely want to see Tyson Miller get the start. Because... The more the Cubs win games as September goes along, the less important the succeeding games become in the regular season. It, at some point, becomes meaningless if they keep winning. Let Tyson Miller have a start. He had another. Did okay. Let him start against Pittsburgh. Let him see what he does. Learn something. Take some notes. I'm all for it. As of now, to be announced is the Cubs starter on Wednesday. Announce Tyson Miller. That'd make this series definitely worth remembering. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll try to post another podcast. As circumstances warrant, I'll attempt to make that worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs go. Consider Tyson Miller. And be nice to people.